Hello, Hello. everybody, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Podcast Universe. Universe. You are listening into the series that shall not be named. We are covering the wizarding world of Harry Potter. And today it is the Prisoner of Azkaban, number three. That is correct. You have spoken the truth, Jordan, as you always do. Thank you. Uh, this is the one where finally Chris Columbus is not directing, and now it. This is the first time a different they director gave the takes it on to another partner in town, and that partner is Alfonso Cuaron. It is Alfonso Cuaron. Um, and uh, should I just dive? Should we just dive? Are we just going for it right now? Yeah. Uh, he directed E Tu Mama Tambien before this. Then he directed this movie. Then. Uh, just four years later, he would direct one of the greatest movies ever made, Children of Men. Undoubtedly, indisputably, one of the best movies ever made. Which, not really, but it, you know, we'll never cover it on this podcast. No. And that's a bummer, because that movie's a gem. It's great. And then he would go on to direct Gravity. That's after Children of Men. Yes. Does he take long breaks in between movies? Yeah, because you know what his next movie is? Uh... Roma. Yeah, I wanted to say Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, so, Roma is so good. You're a much bigger fan oh, of Roma than movie I am. Is so good. It's just slice of life at its core. It's it is it's one of those movies that I know it's good. I know that it's excellent. I don't really like it though. But it is like a, just, I'm glad I watched it and it's a good movie. It's just girl, not for me. The the main character, the actress was wonderful. And I am not, I think she was nominated for it. Right? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, she was. She was. was just like, good. Good for you, because she was so good. And then, in that movie, she gives birth, and it's a stillbirth, and they have real doctors um, deliver the, the stillborn. Right. Yeah. And it is one of the saddest things I've ever seen, but it's like... It was just so well done because it was just like he didn't hire actors. He hired doctors to do it. Yeah. And it was just so good. Yeah. It's no Children of Men. No. Children of Men's way better. What about Gravity? Children of Men's way better than Gravity. Are no, you I mean, kidding? No, Roma. Oh, Roma's better than Gravity. Whoa. Yeah, I've only seen Gravity once. I am a big Gravity fan. I thought it was good, but I, I remember being in theaters watching it, and I'm like, I'm never going to like it after this, because I'm never going to see it in theaters again. That movie is only a theater movie to me, mm. but that's someone who has never seen it since then. I've seen it at home. Okay. That's good. I like that movie a lot. That's good. But you know me. I'm a space boy. Oh, yeah. I think it's cool, too. I think it is an anxiety attack the whole time. Oh, yeah. Space and noir, I'm all about it. There's no noir in that. No, I'm just saying. Those two things, you got oh, me. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is kind of surprising that I'm not a big fan of the the original Blade Runner movie. To me, <laughs> we'll get into that someday, probably, if they make another one. Yeah. But, Blade Runner 2049, though, a masterpiece. But with Gravity, that one felt such like a, a special effects feet oh yeah that it was like yeah this is objectively great yeah yeah how i feel about it is it's good uh-huh. don't really care if i ever see it again it's that's really how i feel good. about it that's really good if someone put it on though i'd watch it but children of men is his best movie so far absolutely without a doubt yeah. clive owen's best role uh yeah uh one of julianne moore's best but maybe yeah. not the best because she always hits it out of the park for me and she's so good in magnolia 
The scene where she's breaking down in the pharmacy in Magnolia is she transcends acting in that scene. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We recently watched it, so it's fresh. Uh, on it's our fresh minds. territory, but um, yeah. So um, he does. Uh, he directs this movie. Uh, then we have the screenplay by Steve Cloves. Again, I'm gonna say his name every time until we get to Fantastic Beasts. Uh, we have John Williams, and I think this is his last time scoring, but not sure. Okay. Um, which let's talk about the m- music for a second. The music in this movie, like. I feel like this is one of his better scores, like, of his career. Like, I think oh, the score... Oh, his career? Wow, cool. Well, you know, it's like you have the Star Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you have the, and you have the Harry Potter, but, like, so far, this one's, like, the best Harry Potter score, I think. You said that he had a Hans Zimmer stuff going on, pre-Hans Zimmer stuff. Well, yeah, he did that fun thing where when they're time traveling, you hear clocks, and it's yeah. going... And and that's pretty cool, and he's kind of playing on that theme, which is you know what Hans Zimmer does in Interstellar and Dunkirk. Um, but I mean, I, that's the obvious thing to do as a composer. But it and always Inception works. probably. I don't think there. Oh yeah, there's some clock stuff. I think. I guess Interstellar's more about time. Yeah. Right. Interstellar. There's literally the like. It's like a th- 11 minute song, and it's it's like 60 beats per minute, and and it's all like based around a clock. It's it's when a man like betrays them. And then they go, oh, and it, yeah, 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 and it yeah, climaxes yeah, with about. the ship yep, exploding. Totally. I can hear that song. Yeah. Oh, that movie's so good. The best movie. Yeah. Um, Made some Tars back in my life. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Tars Ladies, rolls. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think they have it in Inception, but they do do the the slow down bomb thing from the song that they're listening to in their ears. That's an interesting effect, though. Very in interesting. In terms of subject matter of the movie. Absolutely. And it has been duplicated time, time over. Times, yeah. Time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Every time Nolan comes out with a movie, everyone copies him. And who's doing Tenet? Because it's not Hans. It's it's Ludwig Gorenson. It's Ludwig Gorenson. But when I heard the score to that, when they premiered the trailer, I was like, okay, so in the next five years, every action trailer is going to be this. It's going to be, because that's what they always do. They see what he does for trailers and they copy it. He's a trendsetter. Yeah, he rolls. Oh, I love Let's talk about Harry Potter. But let's talk about Harry Potter. Um, But, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I really like John Williams' score, and I just think um, it might not be as iconic as some of his, even like the first movie, but I think he's playing on the themes really well, and he's really stretching stuff musically. Like you have that like choir song that he wrote. I think he wrote that where happens at every time there's a Patronus charm used. Yeah, but I was <laughs> I really speaking like to that. when the kids are holding the frogs. Like that is oh, really cool. That. Yeah. Um, what about the? He obviously wrote the stuff that um, Lupin plays. Lupin Remember? Play. Oh, really? I don't. I maybe. I, I thought that assumed. was just like um, recorded material. I just thought, like, maybe that'd it be is. cool if he did that. Just because they make cooler. everything, yeah, for the movie. I just am like, hey, I wonder if they made this one. Oh man, maybe I'll have to look up that and then the the choir thing. But I, I just really like the score. Um, uh, cinematography is Michael Sarisen, who did the last two Planet of the Apes movies, and he like did the, the new ones. Yes, okay. yes, uh, Dawn and the Andy Serkis War. ones. Yeah, and then he teamed up with Circus again to do his movie Mowgli. Okay. Um, the last of the Mowgli-lands. Okay. And uh, he also did Step Up, so watch out for this guy. We're going to cover that someday. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, you've said that. Uh, it's produced by uh, Warner Brothers and Heyday Pictures, and 
I was surprised to find this out as we were watching the movie, but Chris Columbus did produce, he's one of the producers for this movie, 1492 Productions. Hey, if he's smart and wants to continue to make some money, he's going to produce this movie. And there's, uh, I will hint at it, there's, a, there's more where that came from on the Chris Columbus front in regards to this movie. So we will get to that, though. Um, it's distributed by Warner Brothers. The budget, like the first movie, is $130 million. This one comes out June 4th, 2004, so two movies after Chamber of Secrets. Um, domestically, the ma- movie makes $249 million, $541,069. Stop looking at my notes. You're going to give it away. Worldwide, it makes $795,634,069. Really? Um, so, first question I had when this starts is I'm going... Why didn't Chris Columbus direct this? Because he he seemed so in, into the first two movies. He was like really passionate in interviews and stuff. Frankly, I'm starting to... He didn't to, give a damn. <laughs> I'm starting to like really like this guy because he goes... He's, he says, I I did I like hardly saw my family the last like four years. No way. That's why like, I didn't so do it. And he's like, so I didn't want to direct this movie because um, he wanted to spend to you, time with sir. his family. That's awesome. And then he's still on as a producer, and I was watching a bunch of interviews and stuff, and he's still, like, he's in, like, the interview circuits of Azkaban. For promotion? For Yeah, like, so I think, like, DVD exclusives. So he basically still works full-time on this? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, no, but he, he was, like, he was saying stuff like, it's really cool to see that the kids are growing up, and they're, like, they're good actors now, and they're doing a good job, and it's cool that we were able to step up the special effects a third time, or a, a second time from the first one. Um, oh, yeah. and then, um, and he's, you know, he's like, it was, it was nice to pass the reins on to Alphonse. So I like what he did, you know, and, and it seemed all de- genuine to me as far as I could tell. So that's cool. That's awesome. Um, when he dropped out though, um, they, they, uh, they talked to a little guy named Guillermo del Toro <gasps> about what if it. he did a Harry Potter, how nuts would and that be? The impression I got, I didn't do a lot of research on him specifically because uh-huh. you know when you look up like who is in gonna be in sometimes a movie or it's whatever. just like oh their agent probably one time in passing asked them about it. Yeah, but it sounded like he thought he he didn't feel like the material was like well suited for him and like not interesting dar- like, not dark enough for him or something like that. It's what it sounded like. Interesting. I mean, sure, yeah. yeah. I just I will always be interested now to see what Guillermo del Toro could do with any one of these movies. Yeah, especially the later ones when they get darker. Of course, they're not as dark as like Pan's Labyrinth, but like, man, he's just he's got a fantasy. Thing, yeah, it's, so it's, it's just that's it why I'm so curious. Like an obvious choice, and he's really good with like. I just would be curious to see how it would look. Yeah, in terms of colors. Yeah, and stuff. Interesting. Um, and then Mark Forster was another guy uh, considered, and I totally forgot what he directed, and I didn't write it down. But he did something. Stop looking. He uh, he, he did um, something uh, that was not very good. Get to the I next guy. Think. I don't care about him anymore. The next guy that they considered was M. Night Shyamalan. And he was Interesting. like, no, I'm working on The Village. You know, he said, no, I'm if Steven Spielberg turned it down, then that's what I do, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting, though. I have to say, if M. Night did it. I think it would be good, but I don't. I think it would be too off. I, sure, I, I, I don't think I don't it would have been con- cohesive it. with like the previous two movies. That's that's what I'm thinking. I think he would try too hard to make it his own thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Which uh, isn't right. always a bad thing, but considering with what kind of source material we're working with, yeah, it's. I'm glad that he he didn't do it. Yeah, but interesting. I am a little interested to see what this movie would be like if well, it's it. just like you know all those alternate like if if only you could see like like I would love to see Steven Spielberg's animated conglomerate of this movie. Yeah. you know I would what love too just to see. I I am like I think one of my favorite things about M Night Shyamalan is his writing. Yeah. And since this has already been written, I oh, think yeah. that a lot of it would be missing. super good adaptions. No, so that's why it's like, maybe, he, I don't know if he could do it. Yeah. Because he's so good at his, his writing is so good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and folks, you might be thinking, isn't M. Night out? No, baby, no, he's no, not. No. Let's go on a small rant. He comes out with a couple of early movies, then he comes out with Sixth Sense. It's a knockout, it's a classic, it's amazing. One of the biggest movies of all time. Then he comes out with Unbreakable, which is... Uh, one of the coolest movies of all time. Probably just as good as Sixth Sense. Yeah. But is a little like, I think the public was a little like, what? You made Sixth Sense and now this. And I remember. But that movie when, is 20 years ahead of its time. I remember when my dad was watching that movie. I think it was just on TV one day, Unbreakable. And I'm like, what's this movie about? And he said, it's about superheroes, but it's not based on anything. And yeah. I was like, freaking huh? cool. Amazing. And I think it was the end of the movie. So my dad basically explained everything to yeah. me. And I was just like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. It's awesome. And then I finally watched it and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it's so cool because he like sets up the camera in different spots so they look like comic book panels, but it's not like too in your face about it. Oh, he just, he, when he has a vision. I can't wait to cover that series. Oh, yeah. Um, but then he goes on to do Sixth Sense, right? No. I mean, uh, 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 um, The Village? No, no, the, the one with Mel uh, Signs. Oh, that movie's good. Which... I think that that movie got a kind of a bad rap and I think people are starting to kind of come around on it. That movie's good. That's a good movie. I know there's opinions about the ending, but that's a solid thriller. And every time I watch it, it's pretty freaky. Then he does the, uh, uh, no, he does the village. The village is one of those movies. That's good. Oh, now I freaking love the village. And, I and love it. And a lot it. of people don't like that movie because the ending's like so wacky. And I think it but partially it kinda... does fall victim to the fact that I think he was like, you know, I'm the twist guy. Yeah, and I yeah, have to yeah. write a twist. Right. And the ending's a little like, uh, it's a little like sludgy in terms of writing, but it's still a freaking cool it's ending. It's just the dude knows how to take a risk. And he yeah, does it. He and does. and and literally to do the the Glasterpiece trilogy. Yeah. He literally had to mortgage his home because he said, I if I am not risking it, I cannot create. Yes. Which is one of the most interesting testament like just as like a weird role model to have. Cool. Of someone who's like, I need to feel like I'm losing my house in order to make good work. Yeah. Which I think that a lot of the times people's best, like why a lot of people peak at the first thing is because they had to work and fight for so long with all these limitations and the limitations made it great. But yeah. once all the limitations were taken away from them, Tim Burton, <sighs> you make some boring stuff now. Tim Burton, put that guy in a box. I have to check the oven. Okay. I'll, let me keep talking about M night while you check the oven. Um, and then he goes on, he does lady in the water, which you know, some people don't like, but also a movie that has been given a really bad rap that isn't actually that bad. I kind of like it. Then he goes on to do um, what the two adaptions he does. Um, what what are those again, Jordan? He does The Last Airbender, and he does um, After Earth, which 
by all accounts, was basically Will Smith's project. And those bomb haven't seen them, but apparently they're horrible. And I believe that. But then he goes, you know what? It's time to make like a straight up thriller split. And he goes to make split. And this movie is so cool. And then it ends tying together a promised sequel from Unbreakable. And it is now seven, 16 years after the movie has come out. And no one knew it was going to be a sequel. Do you know anything about like, is that something he's always wanted to do? Or did he... Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just he's, curious he's he was, always talked about making Unbreakable 2. Oh, I'm just curious always. if he always was like, uh, like a, I just last year was like, oh, the story is not finished. No, cool. it's like, it's uh, that was always kind of like something he's been trying to do. And then it came to a point where fans of Unbreakable were just like, oh, it's never going to happen. And then oh. all of a sudden he whips it out. And then finally he finishes it off with Glaster, with Glass, the Glaster piece. Um, and the movie came out last year and for the most part, everyone's like, wow, this really sucks. Yeah. And I think I don't want to talk down to people who think that, but I think it goes into that category where I really don't think that a lot of people understood that movie because that movie is bordering on genius. Mm hmm. But that's for another time. It is because it's a commentary on superheroes and comic books. I know. And it came at the perfect time, like this peak of superhero for him to come out with this thing that's like, like showing it's still what, what's cool is it's not like Joker where it's like, hey, superhero movies are really stupid and you're dumb for liking them. This is like a celebration of them, but it's also a commentary on them, which is the why it's so of. cool. And yeah. so now... But this is not an episode on Glass. <laughs> it's not, but we do need to get the Apple free trial at one point and watch his show that yeah, came yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's you know probably who's in that cool. show, though? Who is in that show? The the guy from Fantastic Four, the bad guy. The bad guy from Fantastic Four. The new one. Oh, the... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's in that. We covered Fantastic Four, folks, uh, the 2015 on our Halloween special. Uh, which was a failed movie franchise startup. So check that out if you haven't. Can't remember who else is in it, but yeah, that show. The idea of it freaks the crap out of me. What's what is the idea? I believe it's with babies. Right? I believe it is a couple whose child dies suddenly oh, or no. whatever, whatever the case is, and they like buy a real life looking baby doll oh, to like help them through their grief. Very cool though. So I'm just curious, like, is this a Chucky situation or is it purely psychological? Well, there's a there's a Black Mirror episode like that that has Donald Gleason in it where this woman's husband dies, who's Donald Gleason, and yeah. she gets like a robot that's exactly like him. And it's really interesting. Have you ever heard of the movie Artificial Intelligence? Because that's also yes. what that movie is oh, yeah. about. Also, there's uh, the guy who directed The Lobster. Um, Yorlog Yanthamos? Yeah. Lorgog... It's a Greek name. Yeah. Um, he directed a movie. I don't remember what it's called, but it is about people who are hired to dress up as the person that you recently lost and act like them oh. to help you through your grieving process. And it's so creepy, but so interesting. Is that dog tooth? No, that's th another one. Okay. I don't remember what this one's called. Okay. It's, it's a cop topic that's well covered. I'm sure it's a Twilight <laughs> episode as well. It, yeah, it probably if is. If it's a Black Mirror episode, it's definitely a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> uh, Let's get back to Harry Potter. <laughs> so, Alfonso Cuaron gets on to set, and, or gets gets the job. He's this. Uh, he's from Mexico, right? Yeah. He's he's this Mexican Have you director. Seen Robot? <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> it's Love all about. Love Letter to Mexico? <laughs> um, 
which is pretty cool that that they had him do this. I don't know. Like you'd think because JK was so specific about like British people having to be involved. Although she did have an American direct the first two, but she also said this weird comment in one of the interviews about how British people are better. No, (laughs) maybe I'll get to it, but also I feel like it's kind of removed from context. So it might just make her look really bad when I don't know if that was her intent. But anyway, so Alfonso gets the job. Oh, you're not going to say the quote. And there's, I might come around to it at some point, but he's being interviewed on all these interviews, and the guy is, like, so passionate about this. And he read the book and was like, I guess when he read Azkaban, he was like, it just makes sense to me. I get it. I picture the movie. I can do it. Kind of a thing. And um, he he talked about how it was really cool working with the kids because now they're, like, legitimately good actors, and mm-hmm. they're, like, ready to get into, like, emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and they've been with these characters for a few years now. So especially Harry deals with some very deep feelings. Yes. In this movie. Yeah. So he was able to like, I'd um, say that play this, upon that. This is the beginning of Harry's rage. That is really, mm, really yeah. explored in the books. Yeah. By movie five, even six. It's like, Oh, Harry has anger issues. Oh, okay. Um, and then, so Alfonso was like, Okay, kids, you three main characters, I need you to go home and like write an essay about your childhood as that character. And and Ron did not do it. Oh, you know about this? Or oh, did you look at my note? No, right I know here? about this. Oh, okay. Ron did not do it. Uh Harry either half asked it or didn't do it either, and Hermione did it. Yeah, and, and very well. And Alfonso was form. like, Ron, why didn't you do it? And he was like, Because Ron wouldn't do it. And yeah. so then he's like, okay, you get it. Let's start filming, yeah. you know? Um, and then uh, Rowling, who's still like very much involved with the production, she allowed for minor changes. So she like totally approved this movie. There's footage of her being like, I really love what Alfonso did and the additions he made, I am all for. But I guess Alfonso wanted to make this graveyard in one of the sequences. And she was like, no, you can't do that. Because later in the book, there's some grave, there's like a grave or something that is on Hogwarts and you can't change that. Okay. And then she also talked about how inadvertently Quaron like set up things, um, that, that were just because of his understanding of the material that were stuff she hadn't written yet. in in future books that like she, she explained it as people will look back on this movie and be like, Oh, they set up this stuff, but actually Quaron didn't know about that stuff. How cool is that? Very cool. She gets to use the movies for that. Yeah, well, but she said she had it planned, but he just... Oh, had it planned. Okay, okay, No, she had it planned, but he had inadvertently, like, set up some stuff that she... She's like, that's kind of nuts that he set that up, because I haven't told him that. I wonder if it's because of little things like that is why the movies are so good. It must be, yeah. In my opinion. (laughs) Um, And then, let's see. uh, They originally attempted to make the Dementors as puppets. But it financially and physically like wasn't working. That's why they Good CG'd call. him. My, I think. But well, I remember in the first sequence that it comes in, I was like, I wish this was practical. That's the only. But, other but the than rest that, of them, it makes sense. Around, yeah. So and it sounded like that they got was some the great cool shots with them. Yeah, and it sounded like that was the idea. Was like when they started flying and stuff, it just didn't financially and and like physically look very good yeah. or work. Um, and then also. I just, the, people love this series. They just love it, and it's just really funny. There is a section on Wikipedia that is just differences between the book and movie, and they are so small, 
Like they go through every little difference and it just kind of blows my mind that someone would take that much time to like put that in Wikipedia because they're like, I'm sure a lot of them are bigger, but there's a lot of stuff that's this is like Star Wars level fandom. Micah. So inconsequential and yeah. doesn't need to be talked. It doesn't even need to be mentioned. And some people are thick headed enough to that's why they don't like movies like the movie when they're based on books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's, what's fun is watching interviews with these, with, with the people involved with these movies, they are so passionate about keeping the spirit of the book. And I think they're also doing a good job of raising awareness for like kids who are watching this stuff of like, if we made this just like the book, it'd be a 16 hour movie and that'd be really boring. But we tried to capture the spirit we tried, they keep saying that, like all the different producers talk about that and stuff. And everyone who's involved really sounds like they were in love with this material, which is what sounded like happened on the Lord of the Rings set too. And you have like these two really great, really faithful adaptions that of course have differences, but you have to make differences. Yeah. I, uh, this is a little off topic. Okay. But, uh, I read one time a little trivia. So new Dumbledore in this movie. Yes. Um, probably know that guy's name. Surprised that we don't because we've seen him in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But new Dumbledore in this movie, Michael Gambon. Uh, I read a thing one time saying that he, he, I believe was once offered the role of Gandalf and turned it down. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. So he turned it down and then he was offered this role Mm -hmm. for this movie and his granddaughter told them that if you don't accept this role, I will never talk to you again. <laughs> and he was like, then I, I had to accept the role. <laughs> and I just want to believe that that's true. Yeah, I bet it is. I mean, yeah. so many kids were involved in this series somehow. And, I think and like he, adults making decisions about it. Or maybe it was Ian McKellen that was offered the role of Dumbledore. And he might have said like, I already did one really iconic wizard. I couldn't do two. And maybe it was it was either Ian McKellen said that or this guy said it. Oh, yeah. One of those, whoever it was, it was like, good call, man. Yeah. That would have been too too much. When Ian McKellen famously, last thing he's been in is Cats, where he plays an old, sad, sad cat. Anyway. Um, so I have another quote from Ebert uh, about this movie. So he gave this one three and a half stars out of four. And this is a quote. He says, is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as good as the first two films? Not quite. It doesn't have that sense of joyously leaping through a clockwork plot, and it needs to explain more than it should. But the world of Harry Potter remains delightful, amusing, and sophisticated. The challenge in the films ahead will be to protect its fragile innocence and not descend into the world of conventional teen thrillers. Cool. Thought that was interesting. A little, a little caution there. And we're bringing we're bringing Eber in to the the series that shall not be named because Jordan and I are big Ebert heads. Mm-hmm. We always want that thumbs up. <laughs> Hit it, baby. Okay, so newcomers to this movie. We first have Pam Ferris, who plays Aunt pa- Aunt Marge. I almost said that Aunt Petunia. Aunt Marge. What's Aunt Petunia from? Durse, Mr. Dursley's oh. sister, the one who blows up. Yeah. Uh, she is in... Oh, my gosh. What? What? Well, first of all, it's crazy to me. She plays the queen in Holmes and Watson, which I know is a special oh, movie to you okay. and Bobby. <laughs> yeah but she is trunchbull in matilda and now i'm scared is. of this woman okay she's the the like head. i haven't seen that movie i'm just telling you micah okay. she's like the headmistress of the school and she is terrifying and disgusting and gross 
and throws kids into the choker if they're bad. I the don't think I want terrifying. to watch this movie ever. It sounds horrible. Moving on. <laughs> um, another just fun newcomer, Lee Ingleby, who plays Stan Shun Pike, who is the, the guy on the bus. Oh, okay. Gives sure. such a delightful performance. Sucks yeah. that that guy's a Death Eater. He is? He is, later on. Um, oh, okay. In the books. But there's no reason for his character to come back. Okay. Unless he's like there with a crowd oh, of people. I think it, the, um, those little heads that are Jamaican don't, um, they're not in the books, right? I can't remember. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Well, because I think, I think I remember in, the, yeah, in the, in one of the interviews I was think, seeing that had JK and Alfonso, she was like, I really wish I had a thought of that. That was so great. Oh. I, and she's like, I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. Oh, yeah. Alfonso I don't remember at all from the book because it's been so long. But uh, Lee Ingleby has been in a lot of British stuff, like what I keep talking about. And <laughs> Bob the Builder, UK version. He's UK Bob. Oh, the voice of. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then we have Gary Oldman, who's play, who plays Sirius Black. Um, Gary Oldman a couple years ago won best actor for darkest hour playing winston churchill winston churchill he is also uh commissioner gordon in the dark knight trilogy mm. he plays Bra he plays dracula and bram stoker's dracula which looks like a garish ridiculous movie yeah but then again the move the, it is a gothic book um and then he's in tinker taylor soldier spy and stuff well it's so so i think it, it is important to note that until kind of Commissioner Gordon, he's always kind of been like, not always, but he a lot of times is like the bad guy in a movie. And he's always chewing scenery. and cause he's I the, guess I haven't seen him in enough movies before this one to know that. Yeah, he's the bad guy in The Fifth Element. He's the bad guy in... Oh, he is the bad guy in The Fifth Element. Yeah, he's the bad guy in Leon the Professional. Oh, um, yeah, right. And I think there's several others that I don't remember or haven't seen. So I think what's smart about casting him is even just the mere fact that you cast Gary Oldman, going into the movie, if you were unfamiliar with the story, you're already like, okay, yeah, 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 he's a bad guy, I get it, I get well, it, I get well it. Well, casted then. That, that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. And then when you find out he's not the bad guy, it's because he's such a good actor, it easily makes that transition, you're like, I love this guy, he rules. Mm -hmm. So, really did, good did casting. Did you see anything about like if he had a lot of special effects on him, or if he lost weight? Well, I... <laughs> I just saw there was an interview and he was wearing <laughs> in the interview the he, costume he was wearing the costume with like the tattoos all over his body and you could like kind of see his rib cage and it was like the hair and everything oh, and then it was real and I was just so confused because I was like why is he not like wearing normal clothes he might just have fun he probably has fun <laughs> doing every, it everybody else in the same like setting of interviews were just wearing normal clothes and he's in the serious black well do you know garb. that when he was doing darkest hour press he was -uh. going to interview Are dress you serious? as winston churchill and so many people actually thought that winston churchill was still alive -uh. no -uh. i'm just joking oh, oh about everything <laughs> yeah oh okay <laughs> i got you though <laughs> imagine him walking around in that fat suit <laughs> i'd be like for, how did i not hear about press. this he's probably the whole time like i can't wait for this movie to be over <laughs> are you okay that was very funny <laughs> he's also in, gary Oldman's also in dawn of the planet of the apes child 44 oh, robocop child remake, 44 i mean lawless, sucks. blah blah yeah he's a bad guy in blah. lawless too oh i barely remember that i saw that movie it's pretty good um okay and then who am i looking for i'm just i mean probably emma watson i mean emma thompson 
Oh, okay. So thanks for reminding me that she's in this movie. Yeah. She's that good in this movie. Um, David Thewlis plays um, Remus Lupin, who mm. is my favorite dark arts teacher. He's very good. And he's the first teacher that's a good teacher in the series. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it's only the third movie. Yeah, but we've seen but a lot of bad nice. teachers. I think it is well written because she's she's not continuing that trope. She What she is yeah. continuing is... He leaves by the end of the movie. Yeah. But not because he's bad. Yeah. So finally there is a a father figure to Harry in yeah. this movie. Yeah. And that, that is Remus. Um, Which helps because you get into the father part a, a lot more in this movie than yeah, the others. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he, David Thewlis is in all the other, you know, more Harry Potter movies. He's in Wonder Woman. The Oh, Omen. yeah. He's the bad guy in Wonder Woman. Oh, the remake of The Omen. Um he is in the Fargo season three. Yeah, he as is the bad guy. And he's so, so creepy. He is in that. so creepy and so cool in that movie. Um, and then he is also in Legend Macbeth, the Theory of Everything. Wait, Legend like the Tom Hardy movie? Yes. Okay. The Zero Theorem. Oh, I don't remember that. The Fifth Estate. Red Two. Wow, what a career. Is it Red Two. Um, Warhorse. Anonymous. He's he's in a lot of stuff. I love him. He's so good. And then, yeah, as Micah mentioned, Emma Thompson. Yes. I'm trying to find her. I guess I could just type in her name. Oh, there she is. Emma Thompson, who Micah made me, reminded me, looks a lot like the mom from Parent Trap. A yes. lot. Um, but Emma Thompson is in Sense and Sensibility. Oh, wait, which one? Oh, the one that also has Alan Rickman in it. And he is a love interest. And you're just like, wow. Didn't think that he could be. Oh, Hugh Laurie's in this movie? Sense of Sensibility. That's the one Jane Austen movie I can get on board with. Okay. Because Hannah made me watch it. And it was, I was like, oh, fine. Okay, we're going to watch this. Let's just get it over with. And I was like, I really like this movie. It's really good. Oh, she um, did Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. Is there Saving like. Mr. Banks. Um, love Actually. She's in the upcoming, forthcoming Doolittle. Um, oh, she's, she's in, in Doolittle. Is she a voice in Doolittle? Holy. Oh, that's got to be one of the animals. Missing Link. Oh. Oh, yeah. She was the Yeti, wasn't she? Like the ones in the in the big ice she cave? She was like the lady. We thought it was Tilda Swinton, I think. Oh, I think it was Tilda Swinton. Yeah. No, it's not. It's Emma Thompson. I'm telling you right oh, now. Oh, but wasn't Tilda in that movie too? She, her name's The Elder. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess we're just now realizing it's not Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually we just see something weird on the screen with <laughs> a think... British woman's voice. Tilda Swinton. It's her not or Helena always. Bonham Carter. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, she's real good in this. She's she's very odd in a good way. Yeah, she she just blends right into her her role in a yeah, uh, yeah in a in a really good way. Um, <laughs> that's funny. That is about it for that there is just this one kid in the movie mm -hmm. um who has a lot of i think taylor and i have talked about this before he has weirdly so many lines and he's not a character oh is That's he the is, kid that reads the grim out of the book yeah. and then later on i think he's like gets to read the newspaper at <laughs> yeah, lunch yeah, yeah, yeah and then i think later on he's just in every scene where gryffindors together yeah, yeah. and it, it's like i mean it's kind of like <laughs> cool i don't kid? have a problem with it but it is a little bit distracting yeah because i'm like do i need to worry about this kid <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway <laughs> okay let's jump into the plot okay 
we see a young boy and he is under the covers and he's trying to like cast a little spell with his wand that's making light kind of bounce and flicker within his blanket and it it's like a big zoom in to him and then a big zoom out that says Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and it's pretty it's a pretty great opening shot I, I like think it a lot yeah I, I think, think it go ahead I no go ahead go ahead we're well, both burping. <laughs> I think it kind of states like this is same old Harry Potter, but this w- it does look a little different. It's going to be a little different. There's just something about the way it starts that is, um, it's still within the world, but it's it it does kind of set itself apart from the other two movies right away. And it doesn't. I would. I mean, it, there's a little bit of comedy, like with Mister Dursley, like keeping he keeps coming in the room and checking to see uh-huh. what's going on because he yeah. hears it. But I'd say the the first two movies there's much more comedy. I don't wait a know second. If I, would agree, I completely forgot about the ant. I was about over. to say. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I I was just specifically talking about the first shot, and it's kind of like it feels like a little yeah. bit of a statement, and it's been you know two years since the last one came out, so it's like welcome back. Yeah. Here's some small magic, and the the music swells, mm-hmm. and it, it feels good. And then Aunt, what is her name? Comes over Marge. Aunt Marge comes over. And she's like... Mr. Dursley's sister. I hate you, Harry Potter. You should go die in a gutter. And she said, I would... If this, if he showed up on my doorstep, I would just send him to an orphanage. Yeah, really heartless stuff. Yeah, and says really terrible things about his dad. And then says even more terrible things about Harry's mom. Yeah. Which really sets Harry off. Yeah, he's he not okay about it. blows up Aunt Marge, and by blow up... Uh, she becomes a like a balloon. Yeah, and she floats away. Really cool effects. Very cool effects. Really funny that Dudley is just always watching TV. And did you notice that when she go when he like when Harry Potter leaves, he goes into a room and it's a, a, to look at a TV, and it's just a smaller TV playing. No, no, the no exact he's not. He didn't go in there for the reason. He went out to be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then she's just floating away, and his eyes just drift over to the TV. And he wipes some like whipped cream off of his napkin and starts eating again. Yeah, but but the camera's f- so far back that in another room yeah, that's layer. only like four feet away, there's another TV playing the same thing. Yeah. Which kind of shows you a lot about Dursley, even though you you know a lot about him anyway. Yeah. But, um, you're and just, just seeing like, that there's still guy. Dudley, just there's still no discipline, and all he does, you know, he sees this chubby kid, only child. Talk about a fantastic beast. Let's get that uh, Dudley story going, you know? Hmm. Interesting. but Dudley um, and the cursed whipped cream. So, yeah, she floats away and Harry runs away. Yeah. And he... And, and as he's running away, there's a shot where you can see her still floating in the she's background. she's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then he, he just is walking. He, he doesn't even know where he's going, but he's just storming away. And... Is it a is it a werewolf that comes out to no, see him? No, it's serious, Micah. It, it it's serious right at the yeah. beginning. That's oh. serious. Oh, Micah. I know. It's serious. I know. Yeah. So he he sees a a really big black wolf dog. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. And, and it's all quiet, like the the he's right by a park and all the stuff's moving. Yeah. On its own and, and it's cool. Wind. Cause later on you learn about the grim, which is a wolf. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're like, Oh, he did see a grim. Like that was a grim then earlier on in the movie, this moment right now. What, what that moment mean? are you referring to? When they're in um, professor Trelawney's. Oh, divination when did they class? say that that's called a grim? 
when she looks into Harry's cup. No, no, no. But like, when do they say a werewolf is a grim? It's not a werewolf. Why do you keep saying that? It's, it's not wait, a werewolf. What is it? Okay. Sirius is an animangus or however you say it, which means he can choose to change into right. a wolf and change back into a human. Werewolves do not have control okay. <laughs> over if they can change to werewolf or not. It's only because of the full moon. And they, I think they did an especially good character design job on the werewolf looks so different than than Sirius uh-huh. as a wolf dog. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get it at all? You're gonna make me cry because she later. No, I get it. it. Okay, I get it. Oh, but I don't remember them explaining it's like a grim or whatever. Okay, fine. We'll just get to the dumb scene and then we'll talk about it. But they do in the movie, or that's a book. Yes, no, they get it in the movie. It's a huge moment. It's a huge moment. Okay, shut it about that. We'll get. Okay, wait, hang on. Let me just explain. That I I know the moment you're talking about. I just don't remember them saying that an animangus is. They're not. To they that. did not say that because we don't know that it's an he's an animangus or what that is until later on in the movie. Guys, I am in trouble. I'm <laughs> sleeping are. outside tonight. You we don't know. Like obviously, we don't know that's serious. Yeah. Later on, it's like okay, then it's a grim. It's a bad omen. Harry, like something really terrible is going to happen to him. Uh-huh. And then later on, you keep learning more about Sirius. And um, the the Marauder's Map, all of the names on it. Yeah. It's Harry's dad, Lupin, um, Sirius, Sirius, oh, Sirius, and I think Pettigrew. I think if I might be wrong about that, it's been a really long time. But it's their names as like their animal for like that's like their nicknames for yeah. it. Um, that's kind of like if you don't know though. <clears throat> this that's a specific thing. Yeah. But then yeah, you learn later on that he's an animagus. Yeah. I, I, I remember all of that. So yes. what are you confused about? I just, you said you find out later that that's the Grimm that she was talking about. No, it's not like that's it. It's just like a... Oh, see, that's oh, where I was confused. interesting. Like, he did see basically that. It's as if the omen is recurring, <laughs> and it's just, imp- like, more impact that something terrible is going to happen. It's It's just foreshadowing upon foreshadowing. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with you, but... Really? I don't think so. Why? But I'm not entirely certain. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like there's a missing element in this conversation. Probably. Let's just get through the plot. Yes. So, bus <laughs> shows up. It has Stan something on it uh-huh. already. Can't remember his name. And they're going to take Harry to Diagon Alley. And this is some fun stuff. The the uh, scores doing, like, some jazzy kind of stuff. And uh, the bus, like, stretches in, in a very funny-looking way that's very unrealistic in a dimensional in a cool yeah two-dimensional in a really cool way i like i like that they went with that instead of doing it another way that maybe would have been just not as cool to me i don't think um and they they go in between the buses and then where did where did he go after this well they go to diagon alley they go to diagon yeah they take him there um and as soon as harry gets there the um, yeah he goes to the leaky cauldron yeah, okay, Leaky Cauldron, and the minister is waiting for him. Yes. Because he knows he ran away. Yes. And um, you can't, if you as a child, you cannot perform magic right. outside of Hogwarts. <clears throat> that becomes an even bigger, uh, that, that actually applies later on in another yeah. movie. But in this movie, it's a different, different headmaster, or not headmaster, minister. No, it's not. 
It's not. No, same different, guy. Different circumstances. No, no, I'm talking about a different movie. I'm having a conversation with myself. Okay. But anyway, he's just like, oh, what? That Just that? Oh, that can be so taken care of. And he gives him all his books. He's talking to him about Sirius. Like, you just should be really be careful about Sirius. Don't go out. You stay here and stay out of trouble. And Harry's like, why? I, okay. Yeah. It's like murderers mm-hmm. on the loose. And he gives just, him this cool monster book. Yeah. And it's like a real book that the actor can touch and stuff, but then it like sprouts these eyes and it chomps. And um, I love the design of that I'm thing. I'm pretty sure that's that Harry Potter world. Oh, I that thing it. is so cool. And then what's like a nice touch, kind of like in Chamber of Secrets the that we were talking about how they added a lot of special effects touches that make them feel more real than they are. A nice touch is how the the pages are like flying out of it as mm-hmm. it's like chewing its mouth and they're like actually hitting Harry. So the stuff that is CG on the book, you don't notice because there's like too much practical stuff happening. It's really cool. I love, I love that little book and I, I'm ready for the spinoff of the book. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. That's fantastic beast. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So the next day the Weasley show up, Hermione's there at the leaky cauldron and they're all reunited. And, um, Mr. Weasley wants to talk to Harry alone. And this is, we were, had to rewind it a couple times to, to get it, but it's, it's seemingly one shot, but it's not. No, it's I, seem- I counted, seamlessly cut. I counted any, at least, at least two cuts and probably at most four. Yeah. And at this <clears throat> point it's so the, he's talking to Harry about like basically same thing. Serious, bad. Don't go looking for him. He wants to kill you, but mm-hmm. he won't really tell him everything. He's just like, he is going to be looking for you because he is, he was put in prison for being, for, well, Harry doesn't know that yet. Well, okay, let me. He's involved with your parents, so yeah. just don't go looking for him. And Harry's like, why would I go looking for him? But this is an interesting thing I noted. As we're watching that scene, I'm like, man, there's just so much going on. It's kind of hard to pay attention in a cool way. There's yes. just so much going on. And then later on, as we're watching the movie, we're like, I think you said this. You said the same thing that I said. Yeah, but, but I was like, a distracting. Yes. So I was going to kind of save that for the, the Quidditch scene. But I think I, I, I do like this movie. It is definitely my least favorite of these three. Um, and I love, I want to on record love Alfonso Cuaron. But um, I do think that a lot of this movie just has too much visually going on. And I like, I really like the simplicity of the first two movies mm. and how, like, when something magical was happening, it really drew your attention. I understand that it, they're probably thinking, like, we've been in this world for a little while, we can have more fun with it. But um, I think I think a little restraint, like that scene where he's talking to him, because it is a one shot and it is there's so much happening in it. It was hard for me to like retain the information that was being um, given to me, especially since uh, so you know this is the first movie that's come out. You know the, the first the other one came out like two years ago or yeah. something like yeah, that. So people were really excited for this movie. Yeah, and they're especially excited for when Ron, Hermione, and Harry are reunited again. Yeah. So you're, I'm just speaking from my perspective as a kid, just being like, oh, yay, we're back. They're all back. Oh, look at all this magic stuff. It's all back. Like, cool. This new world yeah. is just deepening and it's great. What are they talking about? Yeah. So I wonder if it, while it was a really cool shot, very creative, artistic, I wonder if it would have been better if it had been like, come into this room with me. Yeah. 
Well, and and I that's the funny thing is like almost always if you do a one shot, I'm gonna be like yes, yes, yes. But I think the one shots in this movie, except for maybe like one, I feel like they're pretty distracting. I think on What's a technical level, there, there's like two or three that are like pretty oh, long. I guess I just don't um, remember. Um, I'm not remembering them either. That's okay. probably the most noticeable one. Yeah. But I, I think there's one when they're time traveling okay. that's like pretty long, and yeah. that one felt cool. Yeah. Like I was into well, that. I think one. like when you're doing action, and when when it's <laughs> yeah, like Children of Men has like that 20 minute shot, right? It's like 12 minutes. Yeah. Okay. But, 12 minutes, but it it's all action. Yeah, it's and that like visual. puts you there. Yeah. There's also the shot at the beginning of Gravity where it's like establishing the world, and then everything goes haywire. Yeah. And that is like a really impressive way to begin a movie that like really sucks you in. Yeah. But um, so I want to jump in on one. I know we've been talking about one shots for a little bit, but there's kind of like, I think there's kind of like two types of one shots. So you have your your oneers as as we call them that are like the children of men oneers that are like really crazy and a lot is going on and they're just really impressive. Then you have what I what has been dubbed by many and some is like the Spielberg oneer. And if you watch a Spielberg movie. He does a lot of times. He will do these one take shots that have they're more about the blocking of the actors and maybe like subtle camera movements. And you will sit there and you'll just be like, like two minutes into the shot, you're like, oh, oh, this is a this is one shot, and you you didn't even like realize it. And um, I think Quaron is more interested in the exciting oneers as opposed to the Spielberg oneers, and I think. It could have been nicer to have. I think he tried at that first shot to make it more of a Spielbergy one, but there's just too much going yeah. on. And if you want a good example of a Spielberg oneer, there's a shot in Jaws where the camera goes is on a ferry, and all the actors get on a ferry, and it's one shot, and they go across this um, area, and the background is changing, but the camera isn't actually moving, and the actors are just talking, and you don't realize it. And then when the shot's over, you're like, "That was." an insane shot yeah this shot in this movie it's a lot of like the camera is moving so much and it's very fluid but you feel it like it goes kind of close up to mr Weezy being like harry can i have a word and then they he they go behind a pillar so that the camera backs up yeah focuses on a poster of Sirius for a second and then zooms back into their conversation and then continues to slowly back up as they're walking towards the camera and then when the scene ends it's a it's an intense close-up on harry yeah. It, that's a lot of camera movement. And, like, pretty drastic ca- yeah. camera movement. And I will say it. it, it is uh, – I'll just put this as a cover kind of on the whole movie. For me, my, my main problem with the movie, I think – again, I like it – is that it does feel at times like someone is playing, like, jazz over a song that just needs you to just strum some chords. And someone's going – and you're kind of like, okay – Let's uh let's cut it down a little bit. Yeah. So and it's one of those things too where it's like I appreciate that he did this though. Yeah, and on a tech, like at, at the same time I look at that shot and I'm like this is such a cool shot. Yeah. At the same time. But yeah. story-wise I feel like it kind of hinders the film a little bit. Yeah. One thing that is nice about this intro is it it really plugs along, plucks along. Um Yeah, they they're not They're like that after that scene they're on the train. And then they're on the train and they're sitting with Lupin in a cab. Lupin's asleep. They don't know who he is other than like his name is R.S. Lupin. R-A-R-S. Yeah. Um, and Hermione's like, he's the new teacher. She's already knows everything about him, right? Yeah, well, Which but, is great yeah. on her part. Um, 
yeah, so they're they're just sitting there hanging out. Oh, but Harry's like closes the door because he's like, I got to talk to you guys about something, and he's talking to them about the wolf or Sirius. Yeah, I think the wolf. And no, Sirius. I think they're yeah, talking Sirius. about Sirius. That yeah. would make more sense. And then as they're talking, the train stops, lights go out, the windows are frosted very quickly, and this night rider. <laughs> yeah, one can only cloaked, say, yeah. Cloaked thing um, opens the door. Really like the scene. I thought it was very well lit. It's cool. You notice, like, all Dementor stuff is shot in very cold light, and all of Lupin's shots are shot in very warm light. Nice observation, he, Jordan. Because he's the one who teaches Harry how to defend them. And I very think cool. the warmth. The, the warmth with it too is he's trying he's telling Harry like think of the happiest memory you can think of and that makes you feel warm yeah and then with the mentors they're literally sucking out your soul and that's cold yeah and you know it's cool besides the moments when he's facing the Dementor if I remember right he's always kind of like you said like the yellowy warm orange light but then the times that he isn't is at the end of the movie when he changes into a werewolf yep. So you're kind of seeing like and he's this not really dichotomy. himself anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> it's a really good touch. So the Dementor, the Dementors, um, it's Michael Scott. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> he so the Dementors start sucking out Harry's life, although we don't know what that is. We don't know what it's doing. It's just like this is bad. Yeah. And Lupin wakes up and does a Patronus charm. Yeah. Gets him out of there, and then he's like, eat some chocolate. Here, I'm like so, I'm gonna take care of it. I'm I'm forgetting why did they do that to Harry at the first place? Like why were they just sucking out his bones? Because he didn't like do anything to provoke them, and he. Okay, well I'm gonna preface it with I have not read the books in a very long time. As if as I keep doing, uh huh. Here's a couple things that I could think of. One, Dementors are out now because yeah. Sirius is out. Yeah. Which means everyone's in danger because of them. Because as Dumbledore delivered in his speech, oh, they are not forgiving creatures. I can answer my question. Go ahead. Be, with what you were just saying, they're not forgiving creatures. Dumbledore even says, like, whoever gets in their way, they're not forgiving, like, sorry, that's going to suck. So I think... Literally. They, <laughs> I think they could sense that he had had an experience with Sirius and it was, like, trying to suck it out of that him because they don't care about him. or Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> He who must Wait. not be named. Um, because <laughs> that too. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that, cool. That's a really darkness cool. in him. That's cool. Yeah. So then we get to school. And we have a new Dumbledore. We have a new Dumbledore. Let's dish. Let's dish. Jordan is a huge fan of this Dumbledore. I think that he captures the character in the book much better than the other guy. The other guy was wonderful. Oh, Rebecca is going to text you I know. so much. Please don't text me, Rebecca. I don't. I'm no. I don't want to talk about it. I only <laughs> want to talk about it right now. Um, I think that he, in, yeah, encapsulates the character um, much, much better in my opinion. Um, I think that while Dumbledore is very wise and the best wizard living, mm -hmm. he is also very zany and weird. Yeah, and kooky. I think he gets into the zane. A and I think bit. the other guy just didn't have that fun touch. Yeah, I think he had the the grandfatherly. I, like wise wizard vibe. I, um, I'm Dumbledore. How was that, folks? Pretty good. That's um, the first Dumbledore. I, yeah, li I like the first one. I think one. his voice is just better, too. I think it's just I just more pleasing to listen to. And he's a huge character. I'd rather listen to his voice than the other guy's voice. Sorry. Yeah. I, I like the first the first guy. But um, as the series goes on, you have said this, that like he didn't have enough 
time with the character to develop it as much as the next guy gets to. So the next guy's performance is just better. Yeah. Oh, totally. This guy has so much more room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in what, like six movies or whatever and the other guy's in two yeah well, more so, like four or five so but it is i am curious if the guy would have tried that later on i am not sure also if you think about if he continued doing it this would be a different director this time so i wonder what he would have yeah done differently with him um but this is like new director new dumbledore yeah and if in case you're wondering the actor passed which is why they recast um yeah. listener um but yeah so he you know is giving the speech like introduces lupin and is like we just said is like because Sirius is out there are dementors surrounding the school for our protection but do not get near them because they are unforgiving and they will suck the soul out of anyone who gets no- close to them yeah so be be cautious um and then what uh, happens well we learn we we see the hippogriff and and harry rides him through some trepidation but he's able to do it and then one thing, well, th- I think oh, okay. that Malfoy in this movie... Aaron Carter phase. He's, yes, he's in this Aaron Carter phase. And I think that it's just a little, like... It's a little too much for me in this one. I think his performance in this movie is very campy. Very it's just stereotype. Very, it's very 80s stereotype. Because, like, even, like, in every class that they're in together, he always has something to say. That is yeah, degrading. A, a lot of stuff isn't even like earned degradation. No, like he's like you fainted because of a Death Eater, and it's like okay. That I, one I'm actually fine with. It's when they're in Lupin's class and they're they're learning the ridiculous yes, spell, which is the next. And scene. he's just he's Perfect. just standing in the corner and he's like, "This class is ridiculous," and it's like <laughs> I could have done without it. We don't need <laughs> yeah, yeah. Malfoy's anecdote in this moment, <laughs> but at the same time, that is the character. Yeah. So it's like I don't think it's the actor's fault. I don't think it's Alfonso's fault. I just think it's a little too campy and the movie's a little bit more mature than the other two so we don't need it i think we've yeah, outgrown I, it i think it's a little bit like i bet if i was reading the book because i'm sure it's very faithful in that regard i'd probably be like ugh, can we be a little more subtle with i just want yeah. a little more subtlety yeah i know that he turns later so they're trying to like build that up so that it's satisfying for you that he turns but um it's just a little too much in this one, I think. Yeah, but then at the same time, it is like he is the rich, cocky kid, so yeah, pure blood yeah. kid. So yeah, but and he he also has like no, I mean, so far in the series, and uh, don't correct me if I'm wrong, because I'll find out when we get there. It's just he has nothing to sympathize with as a viewer. You just there's yeah. no like, oh, I kind of get where he's coming from or anything. You're just like, oh, he sucks. Yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah. And so it's a little, like, one-dimensional. Which is Snape's character for a lot of this movie. A, l- a lot of the several movies. Yeah. I think there are, like, tiny little nuggets of, like, maybe I can see where he's coming from there. But he just sucks. Especially, I can't remember if it's this movie or the next movie or whatever. I feel like it's this one. When he tells, uh, I don't remember why, but Hermione does the spell and it doesn't work. And her teeth start growing. It's not Azkaban. Oh, it's not? No, we watched it. It didn't happen. Oh, this happens in the book. They don't do this in the movie. Oh, um, sorry. Um, but she does the spell, and I don't remember why. But it it's like retro- it works against her, and her teeth start growing, and she can't stop it. And they're like, "Can't you help her?" And he's like, "I don't see a difference." <laughs> yeah. And you're just, I was like, "Oh, I hate you so much." That was a Skylar moment from Breaking Bad. Yeah, like, yeah. I hate you so <laughs> much. Um. Anyway, um, important moment in the scene with the hippogriff with Buckbeak is he injures Malfoy. Which okay, yeah. Is, it's bad. It looks bad on Hagrid's part. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, then we go to the next part and it is Lupin's scene. And this is the first dark arts teacher that actually has something to teach the children. And honestly, really, if you look at the movie so far, he is the first teacher that is a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess the Mandrake lady's a good teacher too. McGonagall's a good teacher. Uh, which one's McGonagall? She's the head, the head master of Gryffindor. Oh, I guess she's fine too. It's just most of them put put the kids in like massive danger or are horrible at teaching. And yeah. Lupin's the first one where you're like, oh, they're actually learning. Wow, good for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, he teaches them the ridiculous charm to use against bogarts. Bogarts. Yeah, I you know it's like I want to try to say it in the British way, a bogart. Um, <laughs> By the way, a- there's uh, in in, at, in Orlando there's a there's like a Hagrid ride. And I was listening to pod- how many, how many what? Yeah, I was listening to podcast a ride, and they were explaining it, and it sounds incredible. You're Whoa. on a motorcycle, <gasps> and then you have a sidecar. Yeah, and um, I guess I guess if you ride it at night, you can't really see the tracks, and it's only the headlights, and it's outside. <gasps> That's so scary. And there's there's real trees <gasps> and stuff, and you like fly around, and then there's like um. There's like one of those, like some sort of monster that's mentioned in the books, but is not in the movies. What? Um, what? So, like a like a something end thing or something. An end? That's from Lord of the Rings. No, no. It's like a, it, it, I mean, it has a very strange name. I, I don't know. But oh, I want to know. It looks, it, it sounded really cool. Um, and, cool. and they were like, they were like, this ride rules. It's yeah. so fun. And I guess it goes really fast too. The, the ride it, in the california one which is kind of like the hogwarts ride so i'm assuming orlando has it as well yeah uh very fun what very is like fun. the theme of it, it? kind of like just goes through everything it kind of hits highlights okay. i think i mean it, it takes you around like the school grounds oh cool. um but it is it's one of those things where you're, you're sitting and you have a thing that goes over your head um oh yeah but it doesn't like go upside down but it's a lot of moving and i feel like it's part right part a little bit of a 4d experience experience sure and so I think I was with Taylor and Whitney and I think we all almost passed out because it is like moving in such that way. Like remember when oh. we went on the Batman ride oh, I, and yeah. Six and Flags that, and yeah. we were all like, did you guys almost pass out there? Yeah. So it, it was, but we did it again and we didn't feel it again. Oh, but okay. the first time, I think we were all just so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we almost kind of passed out <laughs> Yeah. because of it. Um, anyway, back to the movie. Yeah. Where were we? So Oh, the um, ridiculous class. He's teaching yeah. them. The the Bogart's really cool. It um it becomes your worst fear. Very funny scene. Um, uh-huh. and it ends with uh um Harry's it's Harry's turn and oh gosh, sorry, I'm getting distracted. It's Harry's turn and a dementor materializes and Lupin steps in front of him and you see a moon. And you're yeah. like, that's odd. Why is he scared of the moon? But it's so fast you don't even like think oh, about it. Oh, sure, yeah. And he makes it go back into the chest. And he's like, class is dismissed. Yeah. That's his... F- wait. Because he's a werewolf. That's his yeah, worst yeah, fear yeah, is yeah, the okay, full okay. moon. Sorry, I was... We have D&D tonight, and, and our thread was getting hit up, so I wanted to make sure that if it was getting canceled, I knew we knew about it. Um, but yeah, so they have the mirror class. I wrote um, that Lupin is so cool. I really like him, and I don't remember what happens with him or anything, folks. So I was like, Jordan, is he in the other movies? Because at the end of the movie, he's like, gotta move up, pack town. This always happens because of my werewolf stuff. And she's like, oh, just wait. And I'm like, thank goodness, because he's so cool. I like him a lot. Me too. I mean, I can't wait for Umbridge. She's my girl. Okay. Let's get our Umbridge on. Um, we I stand Umbridge, okay. to use that expression. Um. 
Spotter is allowed to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a funny, funny thing. It's just goofy. Like, they're going to go on a class field trip, and... Harry Potter's allowed to, like, go into the Chamber of Secrets. He's allowed to get the Philosopher's Stone. He wasn't allowed to do that. Well, I know, but no one has any problem with it. And then he's like, hey, I don't... Can I just go on this trip? And they're like, nah. So... Well, here's... I think that uh, McGonagall has a Mrs. Henneman moment. Firm but fair. I love Mrs. Henneman. You better watch your mouth. No, what I'm about to say (laughs) is is she won't sign Harry's thing because she's not his guardian, which is responsible on her part. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry, Harry. That's the that's the rules. Yeah. And you're like, man, she sucks. But now as an adult, I'm kind of like, she did the right thing. She yeah. stuck to the rules. <laughs> I, I think she should have let him go. Um, then we have the Quidditch match where uh, Harry Potter is attacked by Death Eaters. And I thought that scene was incomprehensible. Because they're up in the clouds, you have, like, no frame of reference for where he is. And so I just couldn't even, like... I think you're supposed to feel disoriented. I think you are, but I also, like, I would... Comp- I think that's the worst scene in the movie. It's like, skip it. it this looks so weird. I, I can't, like, place what's happening. Not into it. Um, uh, then, man, our thread is getting hit up so much. It's, it sounds like Lauren's coming and Grayson isn't now. I think so. Okay. I mean, cool that Lauren can come. Not cool that Grayson can't come. Um, Lupin is so good. Then, then we, then uh, Harry Potter puts on his cloak and he finds out some more scary information about Sirius Black. Oh yeah, he he goes to Hogsmeade. Yeah. Um, and goes into and he picks up a lollipop so that we can see the him. Or something? No. I don't think it matters Hogshead. the name of the. <laughs> I want to know. I want to remember. <laughs> yeah, he, he he learns. Do you not remember what he learns? He well, he learns that Sirius Black was involved in his parents' death. Not only was he involved, he told Voldemort. Yes, who, that's he, right. Who shall not be named? Where his parents will be? Yeah. And Peter Pettigrew, who was their friend, Sirius killed him, and all that was left of him was a finger. Yeah, which is a fun. I like. I like where this that goes later. So the payoff is, of yeah, that little gun in the closet is good. This leads to a, a you know, character development and an acting develop on it on Daniel Radcliffe's part. He um, runs away to the forest uh-huh. and he's crying. And I wouldn't say he's doing a great job at crying. Don't see tears, but just joking, that's so nitpicky. <laughs> um, but you know, he he says that if I find him, I'm going to kill him. And like, he was their friend. Yeah. Like he, uh, I just yeah, thought yeah. his acting was so good there. Yeah. That's and a really like, good so one. his anger, anger is so justified mm-hmm. too. Um, and it's just so interesting to see this. It, I don't know. I just think, you know, her writing's good and the movies are good showing that this is a kid who grew up with no parents and never really understood why. And every year he is learning a little bit more who his parents were. And he's also despairing a little bit more that he will never know them. Yeah, like yeah, never that's fully a good know point. Them. That's a really good point. Because him and Lupin share the conversation where he's like, well, no, Sirius actually says this, but Lupin kind of says the same thing. You know, like, I was really good friends with your parents. You look just like your dad, but you have your mom's eyes. And he's like, oh, yes, I knew your parents. Yeah. And then later on, Sirius is like, I just find it so wrong that I got to spend so much time with your parents and you so little. 
and it's it's just cool because it's like lupin's the first person like genuinely the first person that harry has met that is like you knew my parents yeah like tell me about my parents and then by the end of the movie learning all of sirius's stuff it's like you like you're my godfather like you knew my parents i'll give him enough or he won't refuse yeah okay yeah um, so if, if we kind of skip, skip yeah. through some stuff, you know, we, we got, uh, he gets Buck the map, Beak is, he gets the Marauder's map, yes, which he I don't think we said that, ma- map. and he is looking at it and sees Peter Pettigrew running around. Which that scene is so cool. Yeah. Because the way they lit it is, it's just like pitch black and then Snape shows up and their wands are like, that's the only light source. And it's just really stark contrast. Looks beautiful. I loved that scene. And it just is, it's just a cool scene. And and then when you watch it again, you're like, oh, it, the mouse was running around, or mm-hmm. the rat, yeah. Um, and uh, and and you know, Buckbeat's gonna get killed. Um, they're getting well, like hit in the head that, by the... stuff. Oh yeah, okay, I guess by we rocks. Um, uh, Emma Watson has punched um, Malfoy. Malfoy, and then they get to um. Wait, why do they go under the tree? They're they're following somebody, I think. Yeah, um, they fo- they go on under the willow tree, the weeping willow, and they find themselves in the shrieking shack. So it's yeah. like a it's like a to- a doorway to the shrieking shack. Well, and and not to go over every detail because that's the problem that we're <laughs> up against doing this big series. But we should mention a really smart touch that Alfonso has done throughout the movie, even though it kind of looks goofy now, but he's paid so much attention and pointed out, um, time and the passing of seasons so deliberately that he's putting in your mind, he's getting you ready for the fact that like we have the time travel. Yeah. So it's like, here's a theme. We're talking about time. Like the themes of this are like time and memories. That's like the theme of Azkaban. And he is like preparing you for that with visual languages, which is really good. I, I, I thought that was really smart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of establishing shots of the Weeping Willow as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, and another thing I wanted to say, differences between this and the previous one, is this movie, if you compare scenes, um, he's doing a lot more coverage on each shot, or yeah. in each scene. So they're, they're, unless it's like a one shot or something, there's usually a, a lot of extra shots, maybe some more peculiar angles than just the straight, like, wide, close, close, as uh, was more in the other one. Of mm-hmm. course, they didn't only stick to that but yeah yeah it's a, he's a, being more creative yeah a, a little uh, differently creative in different this one. creative because chamber of secrets is still the best one yes so they're going to the shrieking shack and um sirius gets there you see this because it's been a couple days since we watched it and i can't remember specifics well we i mean we this is when we find out peter pettigrew is the rat and he's still alive, and then Harry was but, well, wrong but, about no, the no, whole situation. No, no, huge thing before that, though, they're like, oh, it's serious, we're gonna kill him. And Harry is like, has the wand to him, and Lupin shows up, and he does yeah. Expelliarmus on Harry. And then uh, Sirius yeah, and Lupin have that. a moment, and you're like, I was telling Mike when we were watching it that as a kid watching that, I was screaming like, no! Yeah, like Lupin is betraying yeah, him. Yeah, it was like such a like despairing moment. And then... Harry and Lu- you know they're going at it like what are you doing you betrayed us this whole time you were with him and he's like no you don't understand what's going on yeah and then um Snape shows up they do ex- Harry does Expelliarmus on Snape and like knocks him out and yeah. at this which time, had to feel good for Harry <laughs> oh it felt good for everyone um so Sirius is like I have been waiting for him this whole time and he points at Ron 
And Ron's, Ron's like, like, what? Why me? me? And he's like, no, not you, the rat. And yeah. they, they, the rat, like you said, is Peter Pettigrew. And you find out he is the one who told he should not be named where Harry's parents would be. He betrayed Fun Harry's switcheroo. parents. Especially because when you see Oldman, you're like, oh, this is a bad guy. Like, he looks bad. He's skinny. He is so emaciated. His teeth are nasty. And it's Gary Oldman. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. He's bad. And then he's doing a good job about being crazy. Like that moment where he's like, we have to kill him. And Lupin's like, this is before we even know who they're really talking about. You think he's talking about Harry. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, we have to kill him. And Lupin's like, that's not right. We can't do that. And he's like, I've waited 12 years for this. And you're like, I believe it. You yeah. convinced me right there, Gary. Yeah. You were yeah. in there for 12 years. Um, so, yeah. So. And the rat's toe had been missing. And he'd, and I love, I love just Gary's acting in yeah. that whole scene. Like, he does a great job. So, where, does the, where Ron's like, it can't be Scabbers. And he's like, he's like, how long have you had this pet? I don't know, 12 years. Year, you know, like, yeah. and it's, it's really good. And uh, I, I think that the guy who plays Peter Pettigrew, don't know why I didn't look him up. Yeah, I don't know why but, either. Uh, he's in Sweeney Todd, people. He uh, is Alan Rickman's right-hand man. Um, he does such a good job acting because he's going up to Harry, like, begging, like, your parents wouldn't kill me. You know, like, I knew your parents and they wouldn't let like let me get taken away. Yeah. And he's so desperate. And they all manage to get out of the, the Weeping Willow. And um, Snape is injured. Peter Pettigrew, they're like at gunpoint but at wand point and they're <laughs> at one because harry's like we're not going to kill him he deserves the dementors to get his life to take and like sucked out of him yeah so that's what's going to happen they get up there and what happens but a full moon appears yes and this is my probably my favorite shot in the whole movie because it's very old school horror and they do have actual prosthetics on him i saw some behind cool. the scenes so they, they, they do prosthetics that are kind of halfway. Oh, cool. So they can morph from his face to the halfway point and then halfway point to like the actual werewolf. Just on his face, though? I think it was it was in some other spots. But like spe- I, the specific shot I saw showed him like with actual makeup that was like the Ooh, halfway point and is changing. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Love, freaking love the werewolf design. Yeah, it's cool. It's mangy and kind of gross in a good way. Yeah, and he's like barely... It's almost bat-like. have that much hair. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, And... uh, They just do a good job of distinguishing it between the werewolf... Or the Animangus and him. You can call him a wolf. He's just not a werewolf. But uh, the the it's cool because the, they're outside but it looks like a set. Like they're in yeah, yeah. a studio shooting the scene that they have created. And they are. But and they are, but I think that so it looks so more intentional. Deliberate that it looks like that. Yeah. And then um I would say that the there are crazy amounts of shadows. I think that the shot looks much flat flatter. Uh-huh. Um because it's a much more of a contrast to just black and white thought they did an amazing job it's Um, cool looking at the behind the scenes because the sets are really big though yeah like they're big big sets and they have like the blue screen and the green screen around but they're big sets it's they did a really good job with that stuff cool and Um, then werewolf fight and werewolf fight wolf fight you know everybody's in trouble and then it all ends up with uh, Peter Pettigrew getting away because he turns back into a rat and Ron, Hermione, and Harry getting taken to the hospital wing because Ron has broken his ankle. Yeah. And then Dumbledore shows up and is pretty much like... And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. No. Um, without without exactly saying this, he says, you guys have to time travel and do it all over again. 
Yeah, and you oh, wait, find out big that, moment before that Hermione's been time traveling to go to all of her classes. She's a time traveler. And they've been pointing that out quite a bit. So when you watch it a second time, you're like, oh, 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 you know. And before this happened, Harry found himself in the woods with Sirius. And oh, yeah. all the Dementors are around. And this whole movie, it's been Harry learning the, the Patronus charm. And Sirius is about to have his soul taken out of him. And Harry isn't strong enough to get them all away. <laughs> and sorry, I keep ripping. Um, he looks across the pond, the pond, and sees a stag Patronus. And yeah. he's like, that was my dad, y'all. Um, and so basically, him and Hermione do it all over again. And they yeah, get back and they to that throw moment. rocks at each other, and and you're seeing you're seeing them affect the timeline. And, and they stuff. get back to this moment at the pond yeah. with the Dementors, and Harry's like, "My dad's about to show up." Hermione's and Hermione's like, like "I no don't understand how that's possible." And he's like, "Don't worry, my dad is going to show up." And it gets to the point where he he does the Patronus, and a he is the stag. Patronus, yes, very very cool. Love that. And then, um, yeah, he's got his dad's Patronus, which is very cool. Yeah. Does, is that a familial thing or is it no. just like... Um, that is also his and, His dad is a stag and a magus. Yeah, okay. Um, Does everyone have a Patronus? Mm-hmm. Like every wizard? Mm-hmm. But it could be anything? You can take anything. a test for it. It could be anything? No, like the animals mean something. Okay. And if you, if you love someone deeply, you guys can have the same one. Okay. That comes up. Oh yes, Crazy, yes it like, does. Later, um, a cool a cool thing. John Williams doing a great score, and it's like it's like thumping along, and it's there's a clock going and stuff, and it's it's good. Yeah, and uh, they get on Buckbeak and save Sirius, who has been locked up, and they let him leave. And it's one of those things where Harry has forgiven him, obviously, because he's learned the truth, and he's like, "Oh, maybe we can live together. Like I can live with you." And he's like. I'm an outlaw. You can't live with me, kid. Um, yeah, because and he says Pettigrew, just like Clint Pettigrew Eastwood got away. <laughs> yeah, so he's still he can't be proven innocent. Yeah, so um, he's on the run now, and it's just so sad because it's like finally Harry has found family. Yeah, and he, and they're he's, not he there. can't go with him. Like, is he in the family. Dursleys in the next movie? Does I can't it start? Re- I hope not. No, that one. No, that one starts with them going to the like Quidditch World Cup. Okay. I mean, uh, the, the Dursley thing wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It's been fun in each movie, especially because this one, it's really short. But I just don't want it th- them to start there a fourth time. I can't remember about five at the top the top of my head, but in six, he is with them. Yeah. Again? So, oh, no. Yeah. Okay. No, but it, it is so different than all the other ones. Okay. It's not like a, oh, that was a funny thing that Harry did. It, okay. It's much uh, consequential. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that... That kind of sums it up. There's there's that great like Dumbledore moment where they get back from time traveling and they're like, we did it, Dumbledore. And he's like, did what? Did what? And walks away. And he's just like, good night. night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the movie ends very abruptly. Although Harry gets the new Firebolt broom. Firebolt or the 3000. It's something 3000. Firebolt 3000. And they end on a freeze frame. Yeah, and that is such a bad shot because the music doesn't even like it doesn't even like swell to it, and he's kind of like woohoo, and it's a freeze frame, and none of the others have done freeze frames. The who, just didn't know how to end the movie. Who was okay with that? But he could have just flown away, and then it went cut, it faded to black. Na, 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 na. Yeah, I also huge bummer is the screaming when he when the Dementors are getting. Him. Oh yeah, it's weird. How it sounds do like you a train. His mom. Sounds like a well. They, well, they do. They do fade it into the train. Yeah, but it's such a. It's just. It sounds. It, it's not good. 
It's a good movie. I got the itch. Uh, it's. It, I do like the other two more than this one, though, which I, I word on the street is a lot of Harry Potter fans, this is the best one to them. Really? I think so, right? Because oh, it's like kind of the turning point, and a lot of people like that it gets darker and stuff. Sure. I th- I For th- me, it's still best one's better. Each one's better than the last. So yeah, well, it's uh, like I finished this one. and I'm like, okay, let's start Goblet. Yeah, After I'm that, very Kayla, excited to watch Phoenix. Goblet. Yeah, we get to see our boy Pattinson next time. Yeah, can't wait to cover him. Yes, uh, thank you for listening. Um, let's see, my I'm album's coming out. It's coming out March 13th, and you better be there. And I think for patrons, I think I might try and have some stuff at the sh- at the show um, exclusive for them. Cool. So, um, or or maybe like I'll charge other people, but not them. Like I'm thinking maybe getting some posters or something that cool. like patrons, if they're there, they just get them. Yeah. So sign up for Patreon, um, www.patreon.com slash Michael McCaw. You get podcast stuff. You get videos. You get you get the stuff. Artwork. Artwork. You get music, all this jazz, and you got to get on it. Uh, getting well, the getting's good. It's always going to be good, though. I promise I will do my best to make it the best it can always be. And Jordan, too. We love you, and we love each other, and we will see you next week in a goblet of fire. Bye. Bye.